0: This is Near Future Laboratory Podcast episode 69 and I'm your host Julian Bleeker. This episode is a rangy conversation with Dr. Delfina Fantini van Ditmar, who I wanted to have a conversation with mostly so I could say this episode is a rangy conversation with Dr. Delfina Fantini van Ditmar. Just sort of bounces off the tongue like an effortlessly acrobatic Olympic high dive, doesn't it? Delfina is a graduate biologist and design researcher and senior lecturer at the Royal College of Art, whose practice focuses on ecological thinking, reflective practices, epistemological paradigms, and alternative futures. What's all that, you wonder? Well, we get into it. But before we do, if you're listening to this podcast and enjoying these conversations, please consider supporting the effort by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash nearfuturelaboratory. That comes with access to the Near Future Laboratory Discord, which is where the hyper-collaborative of curious creatives probably exactly like you are working on several design fiction projects. And if you're looking for something like an internship, like the old-fashioned kind of extractive, exploitive work experience, just join the Discord. Eight bucks a month, and you can become part of this wonderful community. Learn a lot about what design is. Make a lot of connections with people. Patreon.com slash Near Future Laboratory. Of course, if you're a commercial team or organization looking for a fresh approach to grappling with the future and its implications, just contact me directly, Julian at NearFutureLaboratory.com, and we can discuss how you can engage in Near Future Laboratory, join organizations like Apple, Meta, Google, Hyundai, ADM, University of Michigan, Motional, Sonos, BMW, Facebook, I already said that one, and many others who have found design fiction to be an exceptional approach to doing the hard work of imagining harder. That was a total name drop, wasn't it? Okay. Oh, wait, one more thing. The second printing of the manual design fiction is making its way to our logistics department. This means that it will soon be available for pre-order. So keep an eye out on shop.newfuturelaboratory.com. This is a softcover edition of the same book that sold out in a matter of weeks last winter. If you missed out, you won't want to miss out again. Keep a sharp ear and eyeball out for notice in the coming weeks. Oh, one more thing. Again, the work of design fiction super fun ideation imagination card set. If you don't have the 2023 edition, you'll want this for your collection of idea generation cards. This thing is like kettlebells for your brain. Nothing easy about having a super fit imagination. Just check in with Dre Lebray over at designfictiondaily.com. He's just practicing and exercising and working out with that work kit of design fiction. It's one of the best workouts money can buy. The work kit of design fiction will sculpt your imagination to a lean, developed, nicely toned bit of brain meat. Seriously, this is jogging, only for your brain. We want more jogging, but for the brain. Okay, okay, enough of that. Uh, get over to shop.nearfuturelaboratory.com and check out all the things there. In the coming weeks, there's going to be a heck of a lot of new artifacts in the future. I can't believe, actually, how much stuff is uh, is inbound. Hey, Julian. It's a bit overwhelming oh, in a, in a, a wonderful you. way. Super excited about you. all this stuff. I'm good, thank you. thank you. Okay, now for real. My coffee chat yeah. with Dr. Delfina. Fantini van Thank
1: you for coming so often to the RCA.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just I just kind of get drawn drawn into it, um, which is cool. I, I I'm always like, yeah, cool, let's do this. And then when it starts coming, when it's like the day, it's like, oh man, I got so much on. Really, why am I doing this? And then it just know, ends exactly up being this. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then you go through it, it ends up just being awesome. You know, just the. Generally speaking, oh, I don't know if it's just a thing with students, but like always when you, when I share stuff with, um, you know, the earnest, kind of eager students and they're just full of hope and possibility, usually, or they just, they just, they just, they they feel something, they hear something. And something that, I don't know, you just feel like they get invigorated and they sort of enthusiastic about, I'm not even, well I guess, I guess it's the it's the stuff it's the it's the I don't know like they see a window of 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 opportunity for creative for for creative expression in some form
1: yeah no it's really interesting I mean probably we were I mean I was there when you still had design interactions so mm. to me it was something present it was around but for them it's almost like a cult. And, and then you have that book but then you have all the people around so they have that yeah. extra layer of curiosity that i think is yeah quite nice
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I obviously i didn't go to the Rca and i only visited like a handful of times um what was that thing like so when you when you say cult i know you don't mean cult in the in the in the, in the like waco <laughs> or something but 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 it, but its just like people feel some energy you know it's almost like it's almost, um, it's almost like the, like this evangelical energy. Like, what what is that? Like, how do you know? Do you? I think you know what I'm talking about. But like, can we try to translate that into words?
1: Yes, I mean, even the building uh, in Kensington, you had the floor where all this was happening, so it existed. Now they have the books, they hear the names, and they quote it all the time. It's like a field that they know it's out there. Hmm. and they knew it was around but they just couldn't see it and they keep you know perceiving it all around somehow also through stuff that are kind of older and were around so yeah it's like a presence uh, that they don't quite fully get it they get glimpses Mm -hmm. and some projects here and there and the, the keyword but I don't think they they were not there in the scene so they kind of have it as a very influential field, but they don't know exactly what it is. They like to get closer, uh, but they have very partial views on it. Which I also think it's it's nice because it's they're creating from very very limited understanding. Mm. So they find their own ways of yeah using it and mixing it, um, and it's a field that yeah many of them come to the RCA for that reason. Even if now it doesn't exist, it's kind of like an attractor. Uh, so yeah, it's still living around even if it disappeared. So I think it's kind of like yeah. an interesting setting for all this to happen.
0: Yeah. Um what so when you keep saying it, so can you can you unpack that a little bit more? Like just from your perspective. I'm not looking for like the definition or what it says on the website or whatever. I, mean, I guess there's nothing on the website, but you know, what it would have said. Just like from your perspective as a as a as a practitioner and as a researcher, what is the it?
1: Date of the speculative design. I mean, I think it really. When you say important. when you're
0: saying it, like you're feeling something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, I mean, I think it's that really interesting, uncommercial opening to design and imagination. Mm. Could have been in a. I mean, you can, of course, define it as in a, yeah, Fiona Raby and Tony Dan way. But I also think that possibility open up to be mixed. With many other methodologies and way of understanding it, so to me, like that opening of like being uncommercial and super future futures oriented, is what I really uh, take of it as a main attractor nowadays mm. of that field uh, and the evolution of it because obviously it has been reinterpreted and, and shifted and mixed up and contested also.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's fascinating because you so you you're emphasizing. I just find I find this uh it's it's it sparking a bunch of things. So you emphasize the um the the fact that it is um you said a couple times like non commercial. Why why does that come, come to mind? Why well, as, as, as a as a key as a key kind of um uh aspect of the, the one of the one of its characteristics right so you could mention a couple of things one of them is is the non-commercial part which I find fascinating I mean, I think
1: they not, they not really... that I disagree
0: but but I but I find it fascinating <laughs> that that got that, that highlighted
1: yeah I think because I think they really offered like a super interesting alternative to efficiency optimization but also about that you know egocentric like '80s designer, like I'm a figure. This is like my kind of aesthetic, and I push it, like uh, without any consideration of anything else. Call it materials, trading, global supply chain, or, or whatever. So I think it was quite egoless, and mm-hmm. also away from commercializing products or super aestheticizing it for selling issues, and also away from that kind of effic- efficiency and optimization trend all happening at that time. Uh, So I really thought it it opened like a space for contesting and opening up uh, imaginations and envisioning alternative ways of thinking and doing that I think it was quite new for design itself.
0: As in a way, maybe uh, relating when you say you know um, design at that moment, where where kind of where, where this practice or this approach or the sensibility is introduced is um, you know, I guess different aspects of it as, as as commercial industrial design in in the kind of purest sense, or or graphic design as a commercial enterprise right not not for the expression of pure expression of of a creative instinct or impulse it's like okay in the service of exactly in a way yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah But yeah, again, if I think of it now and, and the way that I am interested in bringing it in hmm. is a little bit more in conjunction with this idea of defuturing. So really you see consequences of design and then you design back with those considerations. Uh, I really like it to use it as a tool of envisioning issues or alternative futures and then that allowing... To design differently and yeah, that's something that at the moment i yeah, i'm kind of very interested in in embedding it as a design practice projecting imagining but then how that can actually really inform yeah the way you think and do things
0: yeah do you think is there so i want i want to talk about that more do you think that because there's been there's been there's been an evolution right at the rca and uh It's um, as near as I can tell from like, whatever, 4,000 miles away, um, contested, right? There's, or problematic, I guess is the polite way to put it. Um, Wondering about what, what, what um, you know, this storied institution, what it's doing now and what it's providing for, you know, generation designers and the the challenges I'm sure. Um, I don't want to assume that it's easy. Uh, trying to run in, in particular, you know, like an like an arts, <laughs> an arts institution of that sort, given given you know everything, you know, current current context, uh, in in all possible ways, so, and I, I'm sort of interested at in in a in a step removed, like what does that mean for like what what is if, if there is that strength, if there is that attractor. Like I'm going here because this stuff happened there. Amazing! Like that's what I want to be a part of, and uh, and you know, kind of what happens and how how can it be, how can some of the some of the elements of the of the approaches that you're describing and that I think we're all sort of sensitive to, um, how can they still be integrated into the um, the education? I mean, I know, I know it's not really this is this isn't your area, but I am just as, as from a step removed and i'm not i'm not trying to you know dig into anything, but I do wonder, like, how can we, how can we you know bring that kind of value so that so that. Um, design as a practice or design as, as it's sort of taught, I guess. Um, um, in particular at the rca. Um, it still holds on to those really valuable approaches and perspectives and and, and capabilities that are i don't know it still seems to me it's like th- these are some of the real tools that we need in order to kind of get ourselves out of some of the really very difficult almost intractable problems that we that we need to address like we need we, we need to think about consequences not in a way to kind of wag fingers at people and tell them like shame on you but like okay let's figure let's fix let's fix this let's figure out how we're going to work around this
1: I think, yeah, you, you really summarized it really nicely. I think, I mean, the RCA is, as you know, the number one institution in the art design for the ninth year. So we have a huge responsibility. In how are we educating the next generation of designers? Uh, to me, it's crucial that we make them conscious designers, that they realize sociopolitical, environmental consequences uh, when they design. So this speculation uh, and envisioning alternative futures, it really opens to me a really interesting creative opportunity to embed all these responsibilities and make them aware of it. As as you know, a really important part was uh, reflecting on status quo of things. So this really opens up that alternative ways of envisioning, seeing problems, not just doing the little extra fix to solve one, you could also think very ahead. But how I think that this is important to the RCA is yeah, to form a responsible next generation of designers, but not thinking that this is like a burden, because I think that field really opened this idea that could be quite fun, joyous, and creative. Uh, so so I think that's the, the re- real gaining of, of the field, is the imagination attached to a creative responsibility. And avoiding just like little fix, which is the next, you know, obvious little gap we need to figure out. But thinking very ahead, thinking completely different and making the whole process, yeah, very creative and also very much informed by other areas and disciplines, such as biology. Now there's a huge interest in AI and all that has to be linked back to yeah, bioethics, ethics of AI. and and the responsibility that we have so it is really exciting at the same time it's challenging and the students now have a huge responsibility on their shoulders because we cannot keep designing careless about the consequences or just being a self-centered design in 2023
0: yeah i was i was it it was great i mean it's great that you mentioned there's 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 one there's one thing you said so all that's beautiful the the um um fun a very particular kind of fun that that I'm, I'm not sure you can yeah i mean maybe you do need to say like look you got it it's got to be fun and and part of that i think this is just my instinct um and and my i guess my experience over having uh having practiced um for a while <laughs> how do you say this without sounding like a like it's it's so, so it's, it's all important and it's serious, but can you also be like cracking up at the same time? You know what I mean? Just kind of like if, if you can do something that is meaningful and that is expressing, uh, a, you know, expressing a, um, uh, translating some of the, the, the consequences, right? All these words are so normative, aren't they? It's like consequences people are like, Oh, okay, sorry. Um, Yes. I'm listening. You know, there's like that, there's that kind of consequences. There will be consequences. That one, you always hear it in a movie, <laughs> the bad guy, there will be consequences if you don't obey me. But, 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 but translate it into like, so that it's, it's your expression of that. Those consequences are fun or there's a point of entry for someone for the audience, whatever the stakeholders are just someone who's exposed to it where they're like, that's funny. But at the same time, they're like recognizing the the um, the the seriousness of it, and that is something that needs to be considered. And you're doing it in such a way that the that the the audience, you know, the consciousness of the audience isn't like, oh man, this is gonna hurt. Like they're gonna really tell me off, aren't they? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get a real proper what for, and I just don't want. I'm immediately defensive. Like can you make people not defensive? I come back, you know. It's funny. It came up. Um, I was talking to my friend Dre in in, in the Discord, and he's a funny guy. Um, and but he does he does a lot of design fiction. of fact, he does design fiction every day. He's got a design fiction daily routine that he does. Um, and he he thought back to I was like, you know, so how, what, where does this all come from? And he he actually went back to uh, when he was in. I don't know, I guess like, you know, just school, like not college, but like when he was growing up, like he used to go to, there was some curriculum where he could take improv in the school that he went to, and, you know, improv comedy. And he's like, and and so that's kind of like, you know, in a way sort of baked in, or he had that experience and exposure, which I thought was just like, wow, that's amazing. And, um. and over the last, like last few years, we, we've just been like really into going to go into comedy and uh and watching improv, and you're watching it, and you're kind of laughing, and I'm also thinking like man, this is a, I feel there's something here there's something about the way in which you just kind of thrown something and you do something with it, and you turn it around, and it's now a funny it's it's a funny thing, um and the ability to do that to not to not you know buckle under the consequences of performance, first of all, which I got you know. That takes experience, or maybe some people are just naturals with it. And then I also think of, like, when I've gone to see really remarkable comedians. Dave Chappelle I saw at the Hollywood Bowl, like, several months ago. And it was just like, man, no wonder this guy got the Mark Twain prize. Like, he's doing so much. Of course, it's funny, but he's also, like, holding a mirror up. He's showing you the consequences of whatever it is that he's on to. In this masterful way. And there's something about that. There's something about it that allows a point of entry so that when you're sitting there, you know, at the Hollywood Bowl, like listening to this comedy, like you're turning to a stranger next to you and you'd be like, that's a good one, right? That was I mean, I get what he's saying. You know, you feel it not just in a way of like, it's not just, you know, body, just kind of like it's real material, it's real stuff.
1: No, completely. I mean the the future can look really bleak, and we can all feel this huge weight of responsibility. It can also be like very paralyzing. So I think that element, as you say, playfulness. My PhD tutor called it. You need an element of delight, even mm-hmm. in your PhD thesis. Otherwise, you can just not keep doing this, like for four years or or more. That's what like a PhD take. So it can, yeah, it can definitely be um enjoyable creative project that is provoking that has some fun on it. Um, and just to give you for example an outcome of some recent research I did for the design museum. I did an exhibition called a Not too Comfortable Future. We did a manifesto. I work with uh, fashion students and architects rethinking yeah how should we live in the future and basically the architects gave to the fashion team the responsibility of the thermal package. So architecture in the future would be like a very light touch and then fashion with very simple mechanisms and all the toxic legacy, will have to figure it out. And the manifesto we came up with uh, was called uh, a non-beige future. Beige is luxury, beige is comfortness, Mm. beige is not eccentric. And then students started speaking about how humans are so multifaceted uh, and how that a beige palette just couldn't express it. Mm. So the result was actually extremely colorful, uh, vibrant. Um, I had a team with people from uh, Honduras, Africa, and from South America. So the outcome of the not too comfortable future was not like a beige, you know, ecological view. Uh, but it was actually, yeah, really fun. And also it was beautiful. So even when you work within these kind of ecological and social principles, things can still have interesting aesthetics. And that's something I also believe we should push whenever we're teaching ecological practices in design futures. They have to create interesting worlds and that has to be expressed through the way they make and projects their thinking.
0: Yeah, um so tell me more about that project. So um where where did where did it come from and how was it how how were you motivated to do it?
1: I was the year I applied uh, for the design museum was the first year that it was design researchers in mm. residence. I'm personally a biologist, so if it was designers in residency, I just wouldn't even apply. But because it had that research in the middle, I was like, oh, that's actually really interesting. Um, and since my PhD, I, I wasn't really able to do much more extensive research. I was mostly teaching or writing papers. So I thought, yeah, I'm gonna take this opportunity. If it works, should be, should be nice. And then I got it, and then quite organically, I I had a little bit of budget and I was like, I really wanna work with people I I like. Um So the setup was a multidisciplinary team. And I called a friend of mine that at the moment he was doing the Chilean pavilion for Venice Biennale about the value of preserving the peatlands. Peatlands are the most efficient carbon capturing source, much more than forest. It's just that they're not really super well known. And in the case of Patagonia in Chile, they also store mummies, uh, which are so crucial of our culture. So it's cultural heritage, but also this carbon. And we had a chat. He was in a train to Venice. And I was like, oh, I got this project. This could be a really nice opportunity to reconnect um, back um, and work together creatively. And he said, yeah, actually, it actually really makes sense. And then at the same time, I called another friend of mine. Uh, he was working back in that time with Virgil Abloh at Louis Vuitton. Mm. So he was such a creative mind. I met him back at the time at the RCA. But he was working now for this kind of luxury company.
0: Yeah.
1: Still doing very imaginative things, but for a luxury company. Yeah. So I started just with these two friends and it starts with conversations. And yeah, organically, architects like, oh, the house in the future actually is very light touch. We we understood that as a human, we are part of nature and we are living accordingly. So the house has no floor, for example. It's the opposite of the smart home with everything automated. Uh, it's actually really simple. And then fashion would take back the responsibility of the thermal package and the insulation and the clothes. Uh, and that also happened at the same time of the Ukraine war and the rising cost of living. Mm. And again, putting like details of how all this happened. Uh, in England, there's this guy called Martin Lewis, which is the money-saving expert. Very, very popular. <laughs> uh, so he was saying, Oh, this energy crisis is coming. So, like, you should put your feet always on a stool and sit on top of a sleeping bag and giving all these, like, really funny details of how to confront this without using electricity. So, then I also put this in the table to see how fashion designers kind of mm-hmm. reinterpret what could fashion with all the waste uh, that it had could confront it. And the other thing we did is. Because I'm from Chile, uh, what was happening at the moment, and is still happening, and it's actually going to be my next bit of research, in the Atacama Desert, uh, there is a big fast fashion dumping site, and Europe is dumping most of the fast fashion waste in Ghana, where one of my collaborators, which were students of the RCA in Fashion, was originally from. So we had this responsibility also of this fashion toxic legacy these garments are not going to dissolve in thousands of years or hundreds to say the least so we intercept uh, what was going to Ghana and we use that as as one of the main kind of components of uh yeah the the infrastructure that we were creating
0: wait so do you literally intercept it like how do you do what logistically how do you how are you doing that
1: Logistically, these um, packages were gonna be then sent to Ghana. So instead of that, we got that as our main uh, material to work on. We we didn't buy fabrics. Uh, we really wanted to reuse everything we had in the island of England uh, before it goes again to the to the global south.
0: Yeah. So so you negotiate with the exporter to say like, hey, could we just could we get some certain quantity of it? Or are you like sneaking around with like night vision goggles and flashlights?
1: No, <laughs> no. unfortunately, we didn't do that. We just knew that was like the the destiny, and yeah, we got it before and make something with it.
0: Yeah, and so so that that's that's beautiful. So presumably, part of that is to is to is to raise awareness. Probably, probably most people just don't know, or they just don't even don't even bother to think or wonder. What happens to, this is excess inventory, I assume, that's, that hasn't been sold, unsellable for one, one reason or another.
1: Yes, it's unsellable. Uh, it's also returns and mm-hmm. it's also donations. You know, in the global north, we're like, oh, I don't use this sweater. For sure, this is going to be like super useful. I put it in Oxfam or any of these charities and use the check and have your house like <laughs> much more empty. But what really happens is... A lot of these clothes, for example, in the case of Ghana, it arrives and let's say it's it says t-shirts, but just the outside is t-shirts and in, in inside it has like winter clothes that in Ghana will never be used. Mm. A lot of that is not even sold and either then it's, it's incinerated or what is happening in Ghana is it goes to the beach and then I saw the scene because, again, one of my students, Joyce. I, I told her go and have a proper landfill exploration. Uh, mm-hmm. So she did all these beautiful videos in which you could see sleeves coming out of the sand, all like mm. tangled. Um, so it's it's extremely atrocious uh, what is happening there. And again, it's, it's synthetics, so it's not gonna dissolve in many 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 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, so so I totally get it. Um, and I, and I, and I and I feel and you know I feel anxiety right? So that, that's what happens. Um, so given your sensibilities and your, your experience, and obviously like your, your enthusiasm and commitment to, the, to, to not just this specific topic, but this, this, this reinvigorated approach to um, solving the problem. Right. So there's, there's some, you know, kind of probably like vague end goal that, that feels like almost like, man, that is so big. Like, how do we, how do we um, invade the consciousness of the fast fashion consumer to be like, okay, no more. I'm not going to do this or, 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 or change, change the, na- the nature of the network. So it's like, okay, there's still fast, fast, fast fashion. Um, but it, it it's got this, it's got this, it's got this, it's on this wonderful oval track and it comes back you know, in the, in this way. So it's not just living in the, living in the, you know, kind of like, like a, like a creature crawling out of the sand in some place that you don't have to bother even thinking or worrying about. So what do you do in a project like that? I'm not saying you have the solution and you figured it out because it sounds like it's, it's, it's formative. How do you think about it? And how do you approach it so that you're like, man, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be beautiful. Like people are going to love this. It's not going to just be like, shame on you for wearing that t-shirt because people still want to wear t-shirts right they still want the man this design just came out like of course i'm going to wear this it's so cool everyone else is wearing it like you have, you know playing within that that sensibility that we know is is um is uh it's probably like multi-generational like ideological shift to to really bring that about but we don't have that time like we don't have that time
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think the Design Museum exhibition was this provocation in -hmm. which in opposition to what came out of COP26, which was (laughs) a report called The Great New Deal that everything was like techno fixes, like technology will evolve, carbon will be captured, and it's all built up on technology that is not even there. And it had an introduction from Boris Johnson that basically says, that the unique creative power of capitalism driven by innovation will kind of take it out of the crisis.
0: Yeah, not I propose. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I propose like we need to live in after comfort and that mm-hmm. after comfort notion, it, it came from a architecture historian called Daniel Barber in which he really claims that design is really part of this yeah, cultural chain of organizing and aestheticizing the connection between comfort and carbon. So the proposal was, a not too comfortable futures, meaning in the future there must be some some sacrifice with comfortness, and it came out in this kind of multidisciplinarity team uh, that was yeah very visual, and again it's in the design museum the audience is quite broad, and so it had to be um, yeah targeted for twelve years and above, so that was that uh, which was really interesting and again. It reframed from alternative futures and the way we work with things. Nothing was like rocket science. Everything was done through very, very simple uh, mechanisms. But now I'm working with uh, Zoe Broach, which is the head of program in fashion in the RCA and Savitri Bartlett. She was working until now at the British Fashion Council. And what we would like to do now is actually to make a much longer research that we have a much um, yeah, deeper level. One would be working with um, heads of these companies. Another layer would be change the fashion curricula. We cannot keep equipping students as if it was, again, like big times 2000s to make collection completely, yeah, um, not embracing the ecological and social crisis and all what fashion industry creates. And also we would like to work now with communities in Ghana and in Chile, mapping out what is really happening there. And we would like to do this connection between Global South and Global South to see how they're both kind of dealing with this kind of waste uh, colonialism. So the next chapter of the research will be much more substantial uh, and really kind of tackling those three layers, the business itself, future of fashion education and the waste colonialism through the communities with the hope that all this will inform uh, policy making, but through design research. We would mm. like to still keep it uh, within yeah, design and not journalism, <laughs> because you can go and take pictures of it, but design research brings very, very different uh, methodologies and insights
0: Remind me again what what it was that your your PhD advisor told you that there needs to be what was it what was the word you used An
1: element of delight
0: An element of delight okay I I had I had something similar from uh from from my advisor's uh when I was doing my PhD which I which which was amazing I mean it's, I can still hear it very clearly was like you need to give people some hope And and, it, and so it became this thing where it's like as cuz you know I I don't know what the consciousness is of like a PhD But you you like, maybe it's just, it's this beautiful, young, naive instinct. It's like, man, I'm going to really hammer it to them. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be, it's going to be critical, right? That's what I'm doing. I'm going to be incisive and I'm just going to get directly to it. This is going to be like, I'm just going to tear this thing apart surgically. And at the end of it, it's like, it's almost like, I mean, the surgery image is like, you need to have some bedside manner. You need to realize that you're talking to people. And I, th- I think I think you know it's back to that thing of like you can make people it's very it's it's probably easier to make people defensive than it is to make them like feel like you know welcomed into a conversation you know like like have a seat like let's let's talk about this and let's let's you know let's I don't know sort of be um, embracing the the inevitable concern that you're trying to address in a way that it's it doesn't feel like punishment right so we've been saying that. So for this particular project, do you have in do you have in mind like what that might? You know, what are the possibilities for translating this into something that feels inviting? And and there are a couple of things that you said that 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 sparked. Oh, two things I'll mention. One thing is the how did you describe it? It was like less than comfortable future or something.
1: And not too comfortable. It's I'm British.
0: Not, yes, not not too comfortable. Not too comfortable. <laughs> no, don't sit there. <laughs> um, there was I, I don't I don't have a very articulate statement on it, but but when I was when I was um, you know a few months ago or maybe a little bit longer exposed to um, extinction rebellion. Right, so they were doing a lot of stuff. Very kinetic, very kinetic. You know, they're stopping trains and stuff. You're like amazing, like get after it. And then at the same time, I, I remember thinking like, yeah, but you know what's kind of missing. I don't mean this in a bad way, but what I'm lacking is 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 a is an imaginary of the. Okay, you guys won. Like you averted extinction. What is you know? So what's there? And don't show me the apocalyptic smouldering landscape. Because right? I just I'm done with that conversation. and don't show me like the the levitating cities because I never believed that to begin with. It's beautiful, but that's not really where we're going after. So it's like, can you show me like the just you know, what's it gonna be like? what And so I, I've been just using a statement like what's for breakfast the day after? Like I'm not saying like what's the world like I'm saying like, well, I mean, I''m I'm, I'm pretty sure in in most parts of the world, there will not be coffee on the table (laughs) because that's not coming around. And I'd even wonder (laughs) talk, let's talk about Britain. If there's going to be tea, (laughs) because I'm not sure where that's coming from either. Forget your, forget your, uh, I don't know. (laughs) I guess you could still get mackerel, right? So it's it's, still fishing, but you know, so like really what's going on and how do you introduce it so that it's like, actually, you know what? Yeah. That's what it's gonna be like, and we all gotta, you know, we all gotta, we gotta uh, steel ourselves for these, the change in the in the nature of what is comfort. And and so I'm really fascinated by the possibility of intro- How do you begin to introduce that? How do you do? How do you do it? In the same masterful way, you know, a Dave Chappelle would, where it's kind of like, yeah, that's funny. But yeah, okay. This is it. this is what it's gonna be like. You're doing it in a way that, that invites someone in to the to to the world where they can they start to ponder it. You know, it's not here yet, but you're starting to feel into it in a way that, like, okay, you know, I, you know, actually, it's not so bad. I've been thinking about it for a few years, and actually, it's not so bad. Like, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit of more gardening. I've always wanted to do that. I'm going to. I've been meaning to kick coffee, you know, or whatever. And um, they always said sugar wasn't good for you. Perfect. This is great. You know what I mean? Like find the way to kind of lead people in, in this way where it's not all of a sudden, it's not like punishment. It's like, it's a new kind of world. Okay, cool. And and where are the beautiful opportunities for, for the experiences that otherwise at a snap moment, you would have been like, no, 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 I don't want that. I need my coffee. Don't tell me there's no coffee. But you just start leading into it in a way. You see what I'm saying. I, mean,
1: I really like, yeah, no, and I really like the idea of a new kind of world and connecting it back to creative practices. Mm-hmm. in In that, yeah, in that project, I work with this, yeah, really incredible architects, and my friend that again to me is one of the most creative minds. Um, but one thing that we did is to understand that we have to reconnect with nature. And you can say, oh my God, everything is gonna be up hills, you know, like I'm not gonna be able to walk with socks because the house didn't have any floor. You were living in this kind of landscape. But thanks to creativity and design, fashion designers uh, created uh, a a kind of like a portable chair just made out with two t-shirts and shredded other fibers called the pinch which was incredible, super comfortable, beautiful. That's something you could take into the forest. Uh, we thought we were going to live in kind of communities.
0: Mm.
1: And the architects also invited, there's this um, yeah, very interesting um, architect in Berlin called Sam Chermayev, and he designed some furnitures uh, again for a, a nomadic house with like a triangular bed. So new dynamics were happening in connection to nature we understood that as a society we were also going to live differently and then design happened ontologically with that new mindset but instead of saying oh my god i cannot walk in socks we made the whole designs really appealing and interesting considering we will have to live differently Mm. so design was essential to find that yeah, interesting path in this reconnection, yeah, with nature, and in inhabiting, as you said, a new kind of
0: world. Yeah, that's beautiful. There's so many things there. Um, the, fir- the first thing, that, one thing that comes to mind uh, immediately, it's like it's like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of this like project that we're that we're doing. Um, that one of the um, Drew in the in the Discord um, has just gotten in front of. Me. He's so excited to do it. It's like he was like, um, I've secretly always wanted to work in fashion. So I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And and so we had this, you know, this this um, a particular archetype that we that I'm very fond of. And we've done a bunch of projects. where essentially we do a magazine from the future. So we go to the future and we 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 make you know we make a magazine. The magazine kind of effervesces the sensibilities of that world, and and it's just such an effective kind of um you know flanking maneuver as opposed as opposed to going directly to the world and writing a report about the future of fashion is this it's like you know what let's just i don't know what it is but like if we start with the idea that we're going to we're going to produce a magazine as if we're an editorial you know we're we're, we have to make a magazine you know this is what we need to do you got to figure out what's going to be in it because look there's a deadline and there's subscribers we got to do this and so we've been so we've decided to do a a fashion magazine from the future, and so it forces us to ask questions. You know, even down to like, wait, what is fashion in the future? What is that? What does that idiom mean? And what does it look like? And what does it feel like? And all that kind of stuff. And so, the reason I'm saying that, um, I'm I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but <laughs> is but I'm I'm starting to feel it's like, man, it would be really cool to do, like an interview with with you, you know you and your collaborators, but doing it not. As an interview to get behind the scenes of your project, but as if this thing that you're creating, you get it because you, you're <laughs> you're uh, you know we're both part of the 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 Tony and, and Fiona cult. Um, as as if you know this thing exists. It, you guys are either in the process of doing it or you've done it and you're reflecting back. So we we it's as if we went to that world and we're in that world that you're creating we sent a reporter and a photographer you know, and we we interviewed you and it was like an article in this in this magazine that is on fashion whatever that means for the future
1: yeah that would be really fun and again i think as as you pointed out fashion is is kind of by definition like the field of change it's all mm. about change so i think by working there with all those considerations it's it's a very appealing way as you said the what ifs the what Mm -hmm. if with such a degree of change with fashion students and that's why i i really enjoy working with them because they have all this sensibility of what's happening and they're extremely experimental yeah so i think when the setting is it's um, it's relevant and it's not just like for the sake of the next season, even less now when we see yeah, fashion houses doing way too many collections and
0: mm. yeah, a lot
1: of people I know in fashion, actually, they cannot build worlds just because the cycle is just so fast. But when you allow them to think with time and considerations, it's such a joy. Uh, and I think so many relevant ideas can come out using their capabilities not just because they are able to design garments and, and yeah have collections, but because they're so tuned to changes, yeah, that they're yeah a very interesting yeah group to work with. So yeah, if you want to to put them in the what if, <laughs> I can <laughs> definitely get you the, the invitation to have a session with them.
0: Yeah, the, the other thing, the other thing around that 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 I find fascinating, um, as you're describing fashion, because because I'm fascinated by it at, at a at at a, at a bunch of levels. Like one of them is like you know quite kind of analytic and just trying to understand like what's going on. But then the the one of the curious aspects of this particular project, um, even in the doing of it, is to is to think of the way to reinvest that term with it with. Just different meaning. Like it's almost like what I think is like, you know, what we we call them futurists now. But actually, in the future, they they are they are they are part of uh, you know like a, a, a um the the practice is, is closer to what in the future is considered fashion, which isn't the things that you're describing. It's almost like the the, the term is is reinvested with a different set of sensibilities. It's more like it means more like vanguard, like. The, the the at the at the tip of change where things evolve. And it's not just, you know, it's not just garments. It's not that fashion is just garments, but it is very much so. And it is very much um it's a you know an important I guess an important component of like of human expression in terms of like style. Um, but maybe it's gone too far. Maybe it's just it's sort of forgotten itself in a way.
1: I, I really like that and I I mean I couldn't agree more, and actually that's what I'm really interested in in thinking, and especially now that I'm gonna be working with Zoe the head of fashion. It's what could it mean and how can we use these potentialities that these yeah kids have? Um mm.
0: yeah.
1: they yeah. they're so, as you say, into identity, they pick up things very fast, they project it in original ways Yeah. so how those potentialities could be so valuable in the future and maybe as, as you were kind of implying from creating like another you know collection when the world is like flooded in you know excess of clothing how could they be part of the society with a crucial role just because they have all those skills yeah. that if we use them in in a much more interesting and relevant way considering the crisis mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows to what it can lead? But they need to tune in to those potentialities and be used differently.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think it, it. Well, I I don't know for sure, but I'd be I'd be curious to like kind of just investigate where it is happening in that in the ways that you're describing. What What are you saying? So so even um. There's there's someone else in the Discord named Kemp who I've learned an incredible amount from, and so has, has studied fashion and is really so the things you're talking about, like his, his head's gonna explode. Be like yes, yes, yes. Um and the 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 aspect of it that that I draw from uh, from the conversations that that we've had there has been yeah, just as as a site of change as, as as a site of sort of re-expression of things, and I guess as I think about it, it's like well there there are there's more than one i mean there're very many i guess what you would call fashion brands or fashion houses or brands that are are kind of pushing in ways so i think of uh, um it, you know gar- garments that are that are not particular to any any gender just kind of clothing and that's actually one area that we we've, we've like been exploring it's like we we've, we we've, there's been a focus on like workwear so utility focusing on utility and how can you make utility still expressive and not just um not just beige you know it's like it's 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 full of uh it's full of imagination and and color and whimsy and opportunities for actually articulating that yeah
1: no i agree i think it still needs to be open for identity and for expression i i don't think the future should be a uniform a
0: beige uniform. <laughs> A beige uniform. Um, I I got one question I meant to ask you, like early on. How do you how do you get from from biology? I mean, I think I think it's amazing. Um, and just the 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 um. It's not even like multidisciplinary. It's like cross disciplinary, like transdisciplinary. What 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 led you from biology to where you're at now?
1: I mean it was it's a really good question. I I grew up in South America. My my best friends were all into the arts, architecture, design, and I always really thought that was gonna be where I would end up architecture design. But then a, a year before I had to make the the decision, I became super into neurons. Mm. And That year in biology, I had so much fun. I I became like this kind of (laughs) very geeky student and I was fascinated by neurons. I couldn't believe how from cells you can have a thought
0: so how from living
1: <laughs> matter you can have a thought and i was like okay no i need to understand this so it was quite crazy my decision because despite you know all my scene and my interest i was like no i have to understand this and i went to like a super serious university that took me like 5 years to like really get that degree out um so i went through all of that it was kind of you know different and tough all my friends had a very different you know, studying style. Like they were like listening to music, making architecture models. And I was like white coat lab. <laughs> My friends were like super nerds. So I was all the time trying to to be with one leg out and one leg in. And to be honest, I never felt super into the lab crew. I was in the lab doing the experiments, but I was looking out to the street. Uh, it's actually where all the manifestations happen in Santiago. So I was all the time looking outside what's going on in in the real. Uh, so I finished with, yeah, very good grades. and then my professors asked me in the in the final exam like, okay, so what what are the next steps? And I'm like, I'm leaving. I'm gonna move now to design. And yeah, that was it. i I bring with me now all this knowledge. And I was very lucky back in the time. I did like a five years degree, BA, so I had the chance to see ecology, neurons, um, biomolecules, bioinformatics, plants, genetics, which really helped me now to understand yeah different levels of complexity and systems. Hmm. But then yeah, I I did a year of MFA in a, in Stockholm in an art university, and then I was in a conference and I met my phd supervisor who was he was originally an architect from the aa uh, from the 60s uh, and he told me like no for you the best thing would be to do it at the rca i can be your supervisor and we need to immediately take you out from the scientific method into design research uh, and to me it made all the sense because again like i was always surrounded by this kind of design culture
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it was my chance to finally reconnect Uh, But this time, with this kind of complexity understanding that for me now is so important, even in my teaching, I mean, my role in the RCA, I'm not like the cool tutor that is going to tell you like, oh, do this shape or like check this, you know, reference of this designer. I'm much more like, why are you doing this? Mm. Uh, The ecological implications, I'm super also um, there to really pick students that are driven to this kind of techno solution without any understanding of the rest of the complexities um and knitting it all this with yeah design concepts that I'm very passionate with so yeah that's my role in the RCA and in a way it goes back to all this uh, understanding of science and even even then with design interactions many of them were dealing with biology uh, and many times i picked up some of them like actually missed out very fundamental understandings of like the biology itself. Uh, So also for that reason, it makes sense that I remain in the RCA as a scientist. Mm. Mm. Many students deal with science. Science is not super easy to understand. You kind of need sometimes a couple of previous understanding of things. and, And now I'm able to give that and sympathize also with the creative minds and I like doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so that that thing at that moment when you when you talked to who was going to become your your thesis advisor and you said that it made they were like no 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 we need to take you out of the scientific method. What was what what did you feel from that in terms of like why weren't you like no, no 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 the scientific method is like I mean what are you talking about you gotta you gotta have that like what what was it about that that made sense to you?
1: I think I really felt the need of opening a a creative path, Mm. and science is so much about hypotheses, objectivity, replicability. So all that to me kind of sounded like a barrier to really move into a more creative world that, to be honest, I kind of really missed it from the day one I started in science. I was always kind of, of course, doing the test, uh, reading all what I had to read and performing as a scientist but my heart and and my scene was never that one so for me it also came with a high degree of desire of escaping from that kind of structure that for years I was doing yeah I still appreciate it like the rigor that I got from science is something that I I I super value and now I'm create I mean I'm I'm in a creative world. Uh, I move around that scene, but to me, criticality, understanding of complexity and and the rigor that science gave me is, is one of my biggest kind of contribution to ha- why it makes sense that someone like me is around. <laughs> yeah,
0: cool. That's beautiful. There's, some, there's something about, yeah, there should be more of that in a way, like that. It's almost like, what would the world be like if you either you wanted to either either side of the of the you know the cp snow divide between like creative and whatever the opposite is if it's like no no no, you got to spend time over there before you can come over here either way so it's like you want to be an engineer that's amazing we need more of them we got all these things that we need to build and fix go get go do go do a two-year program you know and get a two-year program and I don't know what it would be design draw. I don't know what it would be fine art or something, something that just lived over there. Maybe, maybe don't even name it. Something where it's like, you're going to be using, um, you, you really you, you would love to have you an engineer. Unfortunately, like, you know, your imagination is a little bit weak. We looked at your scores on the, on the, on the test for imagination, a little bit low. So still open and you're going to you know, still get your scholarship, but you got to spend two years over there. And and you, you just kind of and, and enjoy it. It's gonna be great. It's not gonna slow you down. You're gonna be so much better as an engineer if you uh, if you do if you do if you if you if you study opera first.
1: <laughs> no, but it's true. And you know that happened to me in a way. They put me, okay, now you're in the design field, forget all what you know. And I was in this super exciting place, the desk around me, people were building all the time. And I was there like looking to the window in a complete <laughs> paralysis. And they would give me all these methods from design. And of course, I have a good memory, you know, I could repeat it to you, but I didn't feel them at mm. all. Mm-hmm. So my first season in the PhD, in the RCA, with all this amazing creativity, I was completely paralyzed. It was not until, like, I would say a good a year and a half after that I could start doing a little bit more creative things with some kind of backup otherwise I felt super silly mm. I felt like I don't belong here like I don't want to do anything silly just to make because I, I was not that free with creativity to me creativity had to make somehow sense in something meaningful yeah. but people were like oh I just build something yeah. design research you know like you do you fail fail better fail again and I'm like no I get it but
0: I can't, I can't, I can't right. feel, yeah. I feel... This is terrible. nonsense, and then people are like, yeah, exactly, exactly, good. Exactly, yeah,
1: what, yeah what do you
0: exactly, I am like, okay, no. <laughs> I've taken, I've, I was, um, in, the, in the next book that I just finished, it's like, I, I kind of really leaned into this idea of like, a reclaiming, not in a whole like analytical, theoretical way, but it's like, nonsense is good like you need to be able to luxuriate in nonsensical areas and 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 just and just let it be there and like feel and sort of integrate it into a way i'm not saying that we should all just kind of run around uh you know throwing balloons and paper towels and sparkles and stuff but there's something about it that is that is um i think i think it's like vital i think it's vital like a a a sensibility and an and a an ability to 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 engage it and understand that it is almost like, um, it's almost it's almost like physical exercise for your imagination. It's like, and you need to do that in order to kind of be have a healthier imagination and to be able to say to be able to accept things that are maybe before it's like I never would have thought that before. It sounds crazy, you know. It's like, well, you know, it also sounds crazy when we said we're going to put a man on the moon. That sounded really crazy. But somehow okay. you find the way to do it, you know, and you just kind of like you push through it and you kind of you feel it. You feel it in a way that you run the numbers and it's like it doesn't make any sense. It's like, no, no, no. That doesn't make sense in an Excel spreadsheet, but it sure should make sense over here. So like let's just think about the tools we're using to do our sense making. Maybe Excel isn't the right thing all the time. Maybe the scientific method isn't the right thing all the time. And you know, in the same way that um, and in you know, it's maybe Maybe uh, doing, you know, translating an idea into a stage play isn't the most, isn't the best way to do it. Like maybe you actually, you know, you need to use and understand that there are all these different ways in which we make sense of the world, and sometimes for, from one point of view it might not make any sense at all. But you talk to a five-year-old and they're just kind of like, "What are you talking about? This is this is absolutely what needs to happen right now." You know, I I need to to paint this on the wall. And a parent might be like, I don't know if you should do that because that wall is kind of expensive. We have to have someone come by and paint again. But the kids are like, what are you talking about? This is perfect. It's right there. Everyone will be able to see it. And the last time I painted something on that piece of paper, you gave me such praise for it. You said, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And now you're telling me I shouldn't do it on the wall. I don't get it. I don't understand this world that we're living in.
1: (laughs) No, complete me. I I fully agree that you need to give some license to that. And as you say, like take things out of yeah the logic the excel you know that boundary or like in science that replicability that looking to the past to understand the future maybe it's not you know logic it's something yeah. else it's yeah. maybe absurd but it's so important to think different to open new paths. Um, I, I really felt that giving that license i was teaching in korea korea is you know very hierarchical. Design is very much about big companies. They're impeccable. But I think most of what yeah I had to do was, I'm gonna give you license <laughs> to think beyond all this. And yeah, yeah. it was quite challenging the first two days. Sure. Like You have that restriction of like, I'm an efficient designer. I'm here to optimize and make the next. And it's like, none of that. It's yeah. time to unlearn all of those logical steps and think freely it sounds easy but again going back to disciplines but it's very hard but you need to give as an educator you need to give as you were saying that license
0: yeah yeah
1: and show why it's so crucial
0: yeah beautiful thank you
1: welcome
0: a great way to start the day um (laughs) where are you based i'm in venice beach california
1: nice
0: yeah you ever get over here
1: i might go in may so if i do i i let you know
0: yeah absolutely definitely um we'll get some of the crew together and get a coffee or whatever be nice
1: yeah Yeah. that would be great and going back to the conversation you you did engineering before right
0: yeah i got a my my bachelor's in electrical engineering computer science Mm -hmm. and then i did a master's That was, um, it was a little bit haphazard because I kind of talked my way into this lab, uh, which just needed researchers and then I matriculated into the into the master's program that the lab was around so it wasn't really even a plan. uh, But it happened and and it was amazing and it was this lab that was working on virtual reality, and so I was like Oh, this is really cool. And then it turned out not to be so cool. But the but the 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 interesting thing that happened in the context maybe similar to not not exactly similar but but roughly similar to your context is that when I was at the lab, I became more fascinated with the the meaning that was created around virtual reality, more so than the technology itself. Uh, it, the technology just seemed kind of like I mean you know, you kind of get it, and it it was. Um, it was certainly fascinating, like, ooh, check this out. This is great. This is uh, this is weird. I you know, read about this stuff. And then um but then I'd I'd be like turn around from like, you know, my desk and be like, film crews from all over the world. I'm like, man, what is going on? Like, how does that happen? And so my my kind of naive interpretation looking back was like, you're an engineer who was like, No, all the value is in the is in the is in the work. It's in the computer program, it's in the hardware, it's in the the worlds that are built. But it really wasn't so much it was more in this effort to create a a cult of virtuality by by you That's know media great. exposure and these kinds of these mm-hmm. kinds of things. I get it at the time it was a little bit bewildering. Um, but then, then I started then I started talking to like other other faculty because it was it's a great university University of Washington Seattle. Met um, photography professor who's head of the art department um, who we would just have these great coffee chats, just talking about stuff. Um, and then I then I I took a course in English with a professor, I forget her name now, who was teaching um cyberpunk. And that was like kind of a thing. Like cyberpunk, you know, literature. I was like, Oh, this is cool. We get to read sci is easy. And um and uh and she was great and she invited me to go to a um a lecture. She was like, Hey, someone's giving me a lecture. I think you should uh, go see him. And it was Donna Haraway. And so I I sat wow, in this lecture no. and I was just like, I'd, I'd read her work. I didn't understand it, but I, you know, I tried really hard. I think we probably read it in, um, in that class. And um, I just went up and talked to her. Cause that's some, something my dad always told us. He's like, just go up to someone it doesn't matter. Just tell us like, Hey, I, I enjoy your work. And we started chatting. And then, then uh, she encouraged me. She's like, you know, you should apply to this PhD. And I was like, I don't know. It's humanities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm an engineer she's like well i'm a biologist and i'm a professor there so it's like okay cool um and that's what i did
1: That's a great story and she's so great yeah i read her and reread her and and the more i read her i i get always really inspired by such a multifaceted way of thinking i know it's it's incredible
0: yeah yeah and it's that multifacetedness that I think to a certain degree, like I aspire to kind of professionally and creatively. Like yep. never you know, finding the ways to kind of draw in different kind of practices and to, I mean basically different ways of knowing, you know, different epistemologies. And uh and, and see what comes out of it. I mean, she's uh just wonderful at that. Yeah. There was a there was, you... sorry, go on. Sorry. No, 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 you
1: and how did you get connected with the design fiction with the di people
0: yeah um it was i think it was it was mostly happening around so i when i moved to los angeles to to be a professor at usc and so i was teaching in the film school and i had you know through my phd program you know now at this point like i took a little bit of break from academia but then a bunch of friends and stuff were they were professors in, you know, in and around like Los Angeles and then down at UC Irvine and stuff. And so we would occasionally get together and and do essentially like reading groups. So if you're working on a paper, you kind of share it around and we would meet, I don't know, once a month or something. And uh, Bruce Sterling one year was was at Art Center. And so he would come to these two and I got assigned to read something of his. And then we just kind of struck up a, you know, I don't know, I was, I was sort of in awe. I was kind of like, oh, Strolling hi sorry um and and so we just we just started hanging out and talking and we just found ourselves i asked him the question i was like can you do can you do um, uh, can you do sci- like a material form of science fiction can you do science fiction that isn't prose like through stuff and he was at art center and he was like uh, he told me he like yeah I was like what are you doing at art center he's like oh, I'm learning design I was just like whoa you can do that you know I thought you were done learning stuff. I didn't really think that, but I was like, so I was like, that's amazing. He's learning, and you could see the stuff he was doing, things he was making, and 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 kind of integrating into the program. Obviously, you know, he wasn't a student per se, but you know, he was like amongst the students in the studio and stuff. And I was like, man, that's amazing. And so and so I so it was a question. I was like, what what is what does Bruce Sterling do in design look like? And you know, we see because he made he made some stuff. It's all like weird things. And I was like, is that science? You know, I wondered. it was like, can you do science fiction in this other mode, not writing? And so I just became fascinated by it because it felt like it felt home for me because I'm a, I'm an engineer. I love making stuff, product guy. I had a product, you know, I built, grew and sold a product company. Like I love that stuff, but can I, can I do it as a form of speculation, you know, of, of science fiction, literally. And it was before I knew about, um, Di I guess I knew about like the program before which was interaction design because I had some friends who went through that I didn't know there was this switch. Um, at the time I just wasn't paying attention, but I was also I was also I became I became enamored with my And so there was this what is this guy doing you know he's like making products he's actually making products look there, it is in a package amazing what's what's this guy's story and so and the, and the world that he was building you know, with the, with the costumes and the, and the product catalogs. And even the, there's one book that I have that's like, it has the building and it was like this diorama. And I was just like, it's crazy. I love this, this is beautiful world building. I mean, I didn't, you know, think of it that way, but it was just like something was effervescing out of what, what they were creating. So between Bruce, Mai Wodinke, and then somehow, somewhere I was, you know, I was introduced to um, design interactions and started paying attention to that and then i was just kind of like really like oh my god <laughs> what is this is great and uh as you know i got an early edition of um you know her tales the whole thing so i was just in in it and uh, at some at some point i think you know I, w- I was over there and we met and then um and then over time it just felt like now we're now we're peers like we're we're all trying to do something beautiful together Collectively, in our own approach, and in our own ways, and, um, yeah.
1: No, that's great, and I think, I think the near future laboratory, in a way, keeps it living as mm. a little field, because I think people graduated and they're doing their own stuff here and there. But, and of course, Fiona Rabi and Tony Dunn are still around.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But then us. As a hub, let's say, I think it acts as a nice way of keeping it alive, because at the moment it's very dispersed. Yeah. So I think that's really
0: nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that. And the reason I'm glad you mentioned that is because I, I've been I've been feeling um, so it, it's nice to see that from from the outside that it, it feels like a hub, and I deeply appreciate that. And that that's that's cool. Like, okay, something something I'm doing something right. Um, I want to be more purposeful about that. And it's, it's less about, it's, it's, it honestly, it's less about like trying to, trying to build the near future laboratory brand or something, you know, extractive like that. It's more like, um, how did someone describe it to me the other day when we we're talking? It's like, we need more connection. We need, we, we need, we need to, we need to embrace each other's practice more than, maybe our first naive instinct is like, well, I got a commercial agency, so I can't really, I mean, why would I want to spend any time trying to build anyone else up? I've got my own problems. Like, I get that, totally get that. Like, I'm not in a position where it's like, I'm, you know, carefree. It's like, I need, I need work, you know, I need to, I need work. Um, And, and it's almost like I want to build this network. I networks, I think all the, all the language is wrong, because all the language kind of comes back to, other things like it's not a union you know it's not like uh the writers guild you know but for for people who do design fiction it's not about getting a certificate in ux design so now you're oh. part of it it's like it's just this i'm trying to think of the imagery sometimes i come back to like uh, my, my, my brother's a musician and, and for a while i was like managing his band and there was one year um it was a summer we were on it was like it was a huge tour was a big tour with lots of lots of like really big acts lenny kravitz and stuff and so they were they were on this thing and so i was kind of you know i was like i was like the manager it was ridiculous um and beautiful and fun and just kind of wacky summer um but it was almost like that it was like it was like there was this it was like a festival you know and there was everyone was there um in 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 a way that you would want to hope to imagine where it's like you know you show up the day before and things are being set up like crews and trucks and stuff like that. And you're just kind of walking around and you're kind of like, oh hey Lenny, what's going on, man? Yeah, good. I heard you set the other day. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. You know, it was just, it was just a family for however many months. And I and it's like I want that vibe and I want us all to kind of like support each other. And, you know, the fact that my brother's band would be at a at a at 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 a at a they had a they had a side stage and then they had a uh, I forget what it was called. It was like, it was a workshop stage, right? So this is a workshop. This a workshop stage was like, pro, I mean, I thought it was the best part of the whole thing because you'd be there and be like, Oh my God, it's like so-and-so from this band playing drums and so-and-so from this other band on keyboards and like, Oh, check it out. Like, you know, there, there's, and Lenny and Lenny's not in front. He's just playing rhythm guitar and back like that beautiful thing where it's like, we're all here to create something. We're, we're just trying to create this amazing experience and we're feel we're all feeling it in this, yep. in this, in this way, that just just generates this kind of energy that you couldn't possibly get if it was just you know just this or just that. This is a different thing from the, the the headliner stage. This is where people who are in the know and who want to see something magical happen, this is where they go. And it's like I want to create that festival. I it's funny I mentioned that because some people was like, "Well, what are you doing?" It's like I'm creating the Coachella, the design. <laughs> it's happening right here. You need to be a part of this. Like that's what I that's what I want it to be and so the hub image, you know I totally get it and I want, I would love to find the way that. Like like you and all this you know all the all the students at the at the RCA and everywhere, and then also like Superflux and changes and all the people who are doing this things like hey we're doing we're doing a tour It's going to feel like a tour it's gonna to be amazing and you have to put some work in. And and you can't you can't be extractive around it. It isn't just about like building you up. It's about building this important thing up because we need this approach in order to bring about the kind of material change that we need to bring about in the world. It's not gonna happen from Extincture, it's not gonna happen from McKinsey, right? No. This has got to <laughs> be something times. else. And if if we're not gonna be able to do it, each of us individually, like we need to collectivize our 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 capabilities and we need this this and we need we need to come to a common set of terms and expressions about how we talk about it right we need we need and we need to say it over and over and over and over again because that's how the message gets through that's how people kind of draw into it and that's how you know and and i think so you know to come to the commercial side because i get it it's like there, there is value in this and there is incremental value that that needs some kind of value exchange money right because we all need that and i think the incremental value is there and people are going to recognize it, and pretty soon someone's going to call you up from whatever, whoever you know, whoever you sort of imagine in, in, in at some moment that you want to work with, um, and and work with because they have the they have the the fortitude, the scale, the you know the economic might to bring about this kind of change. So Ford is going to call up, and they're not going to say like, "Hey, could you help us figure out how to do a new flashy headlight?" They can be like, "You guys, you're able to do something that we're just not able to do." And we feel like we need to go on a war footing because we need to really bring about some change in the world. And we need you. We need your kind of consciousness. We need your kind of imagination. We need your sensibilities because frankly, we're a little bit a little bit behind the times, a little bit old. And you know, we, we, we don't have that same spirit, but we see the opportunity, right? We're not anti-capitalist. We're just anti hyper We need to do You're something not- at a scale that's gonna make things happen
1: but I really like the idea of the of the festival because in a way it makes all of us feel young and mm. the idea of like okay you go like as you say like Lenny Kravitz go but still Lenny Kravitz in what you say like it's still experimenting with new with part of the crew and, and getting some new things that he of course never thought he could so yeah. I think in that way I really resonate with the with the festival thing like it's going to make all of this diaspora feel, again, young. And, of course, we all bring work, but also we all crave new connections. Yeah. Which is why the setup or the festival, in, in your words, is it's so important. Because it's all there for new things with people that are feeling kind of young.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 the and the, and the, the connect and the, the openness and the connection. So that, you know that was one thing that I that I that I really felt from that experience. Amongst you know all it was just fun and wacky. Was was that was that kind of family vibe? Like we're you know we're all here, and you and you see the same faces, you know over and over and over again, and you you make new acquaintances and friends. And, and you know it's almost like I guess I've never you know worked on a film end to end, but it it seems like it could be similar. You know, and then you see someone and then, Hey, how's it going? Like, I didn't see you at the last gig. It's like, yeah, I stepped off for a little bit. Just had to go, go do some stuff at home, but I'm back at it. You know, this is great. Okay, man, I'll see you at noon. Like, let's get lunch, you know, and then, and you're back. It's just beautiful. It's just those kind of moments. And, and I think that I guess I'm feeling like the, the loss of connection to so many people in the practice who I, who I deeply admire and it feels like i don't know like something happens you know i get time passes and there was like the pandemic and stuff but also like i i don't think those are that that's no excuse i guess in a way for not having a deeper richer connection and 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 a kind of um a kind of sharing that isn't transactional it's like a sharing because it's like we're tr- we're i think to a certain level within this practice we are more or less trying to achieve similar goals which is to make the world a more habitable place let's just say that that's what we want to do so am i going to be able to do it i mean look at me like I'm, I'm 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 just a guy sitting in his backyard studio i can i can do i can do a little bit of it but i can't do it in the same way that if tim cook called me up and said like hey i've got access to a whole bunch of stuff what do you need because I, I'm feeling what you're talking about. Matter of fact, I think I mentioned Tim Cook because I saw um, <laughs> I saw a photo of him at Coachella. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> a festival. Okay, there you go.
1: All right. There you go. Yeah. That's the image.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cool. Sure. Good stuff. Bye. Have a nice
1: day. Bye-bye.
0: That was episode 69 of the Near Future Laboratory podcast with me, your host, Julian Bleeker, and that was Delphina Fantini van Ditmar. Super fun to say. Please consider supporting the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash nearfuturelaboratory and know that you will be supporting the regional brigade in charge of defending the creative consciousness. Plus, keep the generators running that keep the Near Future Laboratory discard up and running. Plus, you'll get an invitation to the Discord, which is where we created three new books in the future that will be dropping in a few weeks but are sitting right here on my desk and honestly, I can't believe how amazing they look and feel. Never mind the uh, superlative content. Also, be sure to check out Dre designfictiondaily.com if you're wondering, like, what the heck to do with the work kit of design fiction. That's something you can get over at shop.nearfuturelaboratory.com. Okay, that's all I got for now. Gotta go run and check out uh, Yogi's awesome exhibit of the epic furniture collection he has that he actually exhibits in his awesome home. Thank you for listening. Seriously, God damn it, thank you. I'm Julian, and I'm out.